the incomparable. Number 590, November 2021. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and this episode is a celebration, friends. Yay! It's a celebration of a very important holiday. As you know, we're the podcast that brought you Kilmus. And for this holiday, we are celebrating F's giving. And you say to yourself, what does that mean? And I said, it's F. Murray Abraham, and it's Thanksgiving. And Aww. he was in Last Action Hero in 1993, and therefore we celebrate. He, he killed Mozart, you see. Uh, Last Action Hero, directed by John McTiernan, written by, among other people, Shane Black. The Shane Black is strong in this movie. Um, mm. And here mm. to talk about this uh, celebration of F. Murray Abraham, and also, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and others, are the following uh, fine people. David J. Laura is here. Hello. I I thought this was a rocket surgery, but okay. Uh, I mean, it can it can be. Well, it actually can't be. Erica Ensign is here. Hello. <laughs> this is not a rocket surgery, it's, or I am leaving. Yeah, no, it's not. Erica, <laughs> stay just stay right, stay right by my side. I, I got okay. you covered here. Moises Chuyon is here. Hello. Hello. I've just shot somebody. I did it on purpose. <laughs> I said I've murdered a man and I want to confess. I didn't even mention Charles Dance. Charles Dance is also in it. And Steve Lutz is here. Hello, Steve. Yes, it's me. I'm the famous comedian Arnold Braunschweiger. (laughs) (laughs) I kill lots of people. I can't keep track of them all. You say Charles Dance is in this. Charles Dance is in a way better movie. <laughs> this is this is the movie that I know Charles Dance and F. Murray Abraham from. from. Th- this movie yep. introduced me to Charles Dance, and <laughs> and I got the reference to Amadeus. Let me let me back up here and explain what happened in 1993. <laughs> Ooh, wow, <laughs> oh, this could go for a while. Too many oh. things happened. Oh, it began on January first. <laughs> okay, good start. This movie <laughs> had apparently a bad test screening, bad buzz. And for some reason, um, people choose to go or not go to a movie theater based on uh, industry buzz, I guess, is the idea. I don't know. Anyway, this was famously considered box office poison. And uh, and it, uh, although it made $137 million on a budget of $85 million, it was considered kind of a flop. And, and then later, Wikipedia tells me, achieved cult status. I wonder... Who got the like cult really? status? I don't think I buy that. I've never seen this considered no. having cult status. I thought it was. I'd put it borderline. I think the truth is probably more that away from the time, it's been reconsidered a little bit. I can't yeah. tell you because I hadn't seen it before two days ago when I watched it. I mean, there's a, there's a handful of cool kids who say, oh, that last action hero is not that bad. I'm one of them. I saw it in mm-hmm. 1993. But I don't think that necessarily constitutes a cult. So here's, here's my other theory that I'd like to throw out there, which is, did 1993 audiences who went thinking they were seeing an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie not appreciate that they were actually seeing sort of a meta movie that kind of mocked while also celebrating the kind ding, ding, of movie ding. that they paid a ticket to go see? My bell is not right next to me, but I would totally be ringing it if I yeah. could, because I think you are exactly right, Jason. I, I think people did misunderstand it when they saw it, but the advertising campaign was very clear about this. I mean, they every commercial had Robert Patrick walking by as a cop. It had all, you know, all these things. And it was like, yeah, we're making fun of the fact that this is an action movie with Schwarzenegger. And, you know, maybe that was a mistake campaign, too. Well, it was, but the whole campaign was built on the fact that, oh, they entered the movies. 
It's right. cool. It's fun. It's wacky. And and meta was not a popular term at the time, so you couldn't just say, "Oh, it's not a like meta now thing," you know. But yeah, no, it was it was pretty clear that it was not just you know Arnold shooting things. I don't think it was clear that it was going to be wacky. I think it was clear that they go into the movies, but I think there was I think people were right. still expecting. I mean, whether okay, whether or not it was clear, I think people were still expecting that. Also, it's the new Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, right? And I think that maybe there's an implication there that you're going to get the new Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And this movie is it okay, as somebody who hasn't who didn't see it before this week, it is more and less of what I expected uh, at various points. In it because it is very much an Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, action movie and also very much not, which I think is I think is fascinating. Also, the fact that it's directed by John McTiernan, who directed Die Hard, um, and there's it, it's very very much influenced by Die Hard on top of everything else, which I think is funny. In the the whole, uh, there's all sorts of cop on the edge stuff that is um, very much Die Hardy. In, in, in it's a Christmas too. movie because like the first 30 seconds are set at Christmas. I said so. that actually right. when I turned it on. I was right. like, totally a Christmas movie. I don't know why it's, well, I mean, F's giving. It's close to Christmas. It's okay. Sure. At the beginning of the holiday. Well, and that, that opening scene is clearly the 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 whole diehard, you know, everybody's surrounding the base of the building. It's yeah. nothing but cop cars. That was a nice a nice opening. It was a nice touch. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't buy that it was too meta for 93. I mean, all that stuff you know self-referential making fun of action movie stuff is just parody people had seen parodies yeah. in 1993 and i don't think it was the the expectation set by schwarzenegger's name on the marquee he'd already done kindergarten cop at this point he'd already done twins it was okay. it was not sheer expectation that you know if you go into a schwarzenegger movie you're going to get straight up action but there are definitely things here that i, I that 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 I can understand why people were turned off by it, which we can get into. I had people who did go and see it at the time, and they warned me off it because they're like, it is what it is, and it's not very good at it. Oh, and that's fascinating. And I, I totally, I mean, because clearly the expectation here was not what whatever people expected and the studio expected or whatever. It became kind of legendary as a, as a flop, which I find fascinating because not caring and watching it many many you know several decades later i just went in knowing a lot about kind of action movies of the period and not knowing about this movie and i'm just gonna say it the first half of it the first hour i think it's amazing (laughs) i think it is hilarious because it is simultaneously an over-the-top 80s action movie and aware that it's an over-the-top 80s action movie and i really I just I really enjoyed the first half of this movie for being so wild and silly and and both commenting on the whole genre of the big over the top 80s 90s action movie while also being it. Um the second half of this movie settles more into a I don't know. I was thinking it's kind of like a Roger Rabbit plot <laughs> where it's sort of like uh, almost where, Roger Rabbit is directed by Chris Columbus. Right. So it's yeah. so it's, you know, they es- Charles Dance escapes into our world and they have to go find him and get him. And it, it is less fun when it's action movie trope characters real. in our world instead of when yeah. like they're in they're in action movie world and the kid realizes like, oh, 
the I the rules are different because I'm in an action movie. Like all that stuff I thought was kind of magical and hilarious. Uh, and the second half, yeah, it comes down to earth. And that's when I started checking the time because like literally yeah. halfway through this movie, I was like, I don't know what people are saying. This movie is brilliant. So, and then the second half, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, all right. It kind of falls apart in the second half. For me, a, a couple of different things came into play with this movie where there, there was a lot more power in the way that things were being portrayed as, oh, this thing is a flop, it's going to be a flop, skip it, or, well, it's not Terminator 3, or it's not it's not something that looked like that's the one movie that everybody is going to go see for six weekends um, in terms of the way that it was marketed. And the thing about the marketing that I think was infuriating, remembering what it was like when I was 10, was that it just, it was, it was trying way, way, way too hard. Um, and could have just, uh, and, and I hate that, you know, this is an aspect of, of what modern blockbuster movie making has become since the nineties, where you have to, you, you look at something that did not succeed financially and you have to analyze it against the way that it was sold to the audience. And if they had, frankly, I would have been fine, I think with with them fake selling the first half of the movie and then letting the second half of the movie happen as it stands. Sell it as a Jack Slater movie and then see what exactly. happens, blow people's minds. Sell it as a Jack Slater movie. Don't worry about over-explaining the meta thing, giving the audience the benefit of the doubt that they're not that dumb. Um, I, you know, uh, no offense, David, but I think the people who utterly abhor this movie... Um, I, 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 I do not agree with them and I find it to be unjustly maligned, uh, across mm. the board. Um, I think it is a perfectly fine movie. Um, it, it is something that I, I have various writer friends who have issues with it because they see inside the matrix as it were, when it comes to the, uh, the meta text of, of the way that something's put together and either they have their own version of how they would tell something like this that they think would have been better or there are things that annoy them about it or something like that. But to me, this is the American remake of cinema parody. So that we deserved. <laughs> oh dear. See now I, I didn't say it was terrible. I would say it's perfectly fine. I think, <laughs> but you both- have notes. No, both my notes are both halves could have been better. Um, I hate the kid. I mean, I just hate the kid the way he's written, but I yep. hate the kid. Yep, yep. Yeah, to paraphrase Benedict, the kid is kind of a turd. <laughs> that's, that's, it's not a slag on the actor who is, who is fine. No, it's yeah. just the actor he's is playing fine. the character as written, and the character is written as such a, gee whiz, I'm in a movie, and holy cow mm. way. Yeah, that it, and- it just The movie ends up feeling like it's aimed at, at very young kids. But then you've got Charles Dance being propositioned by hookers, and kids getting shot for their shoes, and jokes about <laughs> premature ejaculation. There are so many unpleasant things in this movie yeah. that's aimed at kids. I like the concept. I like all the the idea of being meta and self-referential and making fun of the fact that they're doing these things. And none of I it's like let good comedy writers do it. Don't let Shane Black rewrite the thing making fun of Shane Black cuz then it comes out like bad Shane Black. I was in high school when this came out and I many of my friends were were high school boys and yeah, they didn't like this movie and I think it was because yeah, sure, Kindergarten Cop already existed, but Kindergarten Cop was not was not a movie that was this, that was not a movie that was marketed like this and most of the people that I knew didn't like this movie because it wasn't a real action movie. They didn't like the meta stuff. They didn't like the fact that it was making fun of their beloved action mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was that was yeah. a, a real problem with a you know a, a specific section of the audience who really found their you know they 
action movies are sacrosanct to 14-year-old boys. Why are you not taking this seriously? This exactly. is a this is a Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. movie. It should be Yeah, and that's the stuff that made me giggle is yes, there's same. a sequence yeah. where uh a guy gets an ice cream cone in the neck and dies and yes. he says I guess oh, he yes. iced that guy. <laughs> Tacona phrase. And then they go down into the LA River, which just made me laugh and laugh because of course they're just in Terminator 2 at that point. Yep. There is a car that explodes while it's in the air, which is just amazing because it's like, <laughs> of course it exploded. Well, the ice cream truck explodes when a guy flies through the windshield of it, which is nice <laughs> yep, too. It does. Stuff like that is brilliant. Which is what jettisons the ice cream cone into the back of the other guy's skull. At the, at the police station, they're pairing all the cops with not-a-cops, which yes. uh, for their unlikely pairings, including at one point a, a cartoon cat <laughs> and Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> the, the, digitized the digitized reanimation. Black and white yeah. Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. The only thing I remembered about this movie watching it this time from when I originally saw it in 1993 was you've been paired up with the animated cat, which just, <laughs> it's it's not like, it's yes. not Whiskers the animated cat, it's the animated cat. <laughs> Voice of Danny DeVito. It, that just made me laugh and laugh. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I definitely think there's there's some aspect of, of people being irritated by them uh, making, you know, taking the piss out of, uh, of action movies. Um, I loved it when it came out, and I enjoyed it a lot this time, but I think I see stuff now that, that, that I, for the people that weren't annoyed with the, the meta stuff, I see a lot of issues in it now. What, for, first of all, it's about 30 minutes too long. Yeah, oh, I yeah. don't mm-hmm. think we needed 65 sure. minutes in the movie and 65 minutes in the real world. Something could have been cut there. No, the real world should really be the, the, like, the climax. Like it's the like la- the 25 The last sure. act, very yeah. short, like yes. last That's coda. And you wouldn't get all those hilarious cameos. Yeah. Can After you believe a false they got ending. Jim Belushi? They got Arnie Archer. <laughs> what a great get. Um, but yeah, no, uh, but the reason it's 30 minutes too long is that this movie cannot decide what it wants to be. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's it's an action adventure. It's a fairly sharp parody of an action adventure. And it's also sort of the never-ending story. You know, you've got this turtly <laughs> G-Wiz kid. Uh, there are pieces of each here, and they're just bolted together at odd angles, and they don't make a very coherent whole. I, I would yeah. say that the action-adventure piece is good. Mm-hmm. The parody piece is very good. Mm-hmm. And the children's fantasy tale is just mm-hmm. lame. And unfortunately, the lame bit just drags down the rest of it. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, I think that... And I really, I really enjoyed this movie, but, uh, but the the whole I think it's also a little weird that it's this relatively, relatively young-ish kid who's super into these movies, and I have that thought of like, I'm not sure that kid is the demographic for uh, these action movies. I think that it would actually be like a an older kid who would be less aspirational and fun, and they went with the more Spielbergian yes. boys adventure, yeah. and I think it's a mismatch. And it's not the kid's fault, but like the it is a weird step, and so then we end up having to have poor Mercedes Rule, who has to be she tries so hard. She does get a fun scene where she's talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger, but she's like, uh, you know, she's got to be the worrying mom, and like I don't know, that stuff's <laughs> all unnecessary. Doesn't worry enough to to rush home from her her shift at Denny's when her child is robbed in her home. Well, no, just go home and lock yourself in, and I'll I'll get you one again. But again, what I'm saying really is less of that and more of cars exploding in midair, please. Yeah. yeah. Here, here. Did, I mean, did we need all of that extra little plot throughout? No. Just no. to have Chekhov's. The whole like, Cira- cinema paradiso scene. kind of thing with the old man who's and in yeah, the theater. That was and just, yeah. I, don't, I didn't care. 
give me the silly stuff. Do I need a premise? Enough, like, well, a and, magic golden no. ticket is going to be presented. Like, I don't care. And every time the music swells in that John Williams-esque, E.T.-esque sort of way, I just get so irritated. I want to punch somebody. <laughs> like the golden ticket as a as a as a as a plot mechanic is something that I think they needed, but I think it didn't need to be. Uh, we didn't There's need to hear so the much ticket, of it. The ticket, like seven thousand times. Story we of the get ticket. it, guys. No, no, no. I, I see. I don't <laughs> think you needed that, but but I always liked Thorn Smith supernatural comedies where. It literally is just here's something it, supernatural it just happened. happened. Go with it. Yeah, it doesn't. You don't need an explanation of it because there is, there is actually no explanation to the ticket. Right? It just works. So why do you need it? If you don't have a mechanic to get the kid in the movie, then you don't have a great mechanic to get Charles Dance out of the movie. Oh, I agree. So yep. I, I liked it, it. It just could have been simpler. It I could think have done and, it more yeah. simple. Uh, oh yeah, and it could have been subtler. Is, is yes. I think, what I would have <laughs> liked. What do you mean you don't like that the ticket glows in a special effect every time anyone looks or touches the ticket? Only when it's working. Speaking of, of less than subtle, uh, I frankly liked the hammer over the head that was Ian McKellen as Banked Eckerot from The Seventh sure. Seal. Oh, sure. Like, oh, yeah. Loved that. that. Yeah, loved that. that. And I loved, I loved Schwarzenegger's Hamlet. That's yes, a really that's good, good. Yeah. Actually, that, that's what my modern take on, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, Last Action Hero would be, is that if you're going to have the last act be, the last act hero, uh, be what it is, um, you got to really commit. Like, having death from the Seventh Seal find the ticket and go talk to them is good right but it's like okay if you're gonna do that i want characters coming out of all the movies yeah yes. i want spider-verse i want full-on spider yeah, i don't want the actors on i mean the, the, a little bit of the actors on the red carpet is fine but so many of those cameos are just painful other than schwarzenegger interacting with him his own character which is funny like that is I, funny. I would rather have had like a whole bunch of characters from other movies break out and save the day at the end instead of yeah. instead of just death wandering in and going Meh. I mean he's got Jason circled you know in the newspaper there's so many things you could have done with that and then however they're limited by this was a Sony Columbia movie and right, what is Sony Columbia that's yeah. why they're, they're like you remember Bram Stoker's yes. Dracula <laughs> as, as evidenced by the the guest appearance by an in-car Sony mini disc player which <laughs> six six full years before it was featured in the Matrix so this yeah. was ahead of its time mm -hmm. like I, I thought it was hilarious that you know Charles Dance goes back to his place he turns on the TV and and I'm trying I'm trying to listen like what is he watching he's watching Burns and Allen which was public domain at that point yeah and, you know it's uh, uh B Benaderet and yeah know. so I I get the realism of it but but it's like it, that that's the, in a movie that is not remotely restrained in any way the death comes the out of the, show. The, the death comes out of the movie theater but no nothing else is done with that kind of the concept is like okay well I mean no you should really go bananas here and and have all the characters Turns out, out he, was, he was just curious <laughs> also the fact that he's actually like theoretically actually death because he doesn't have jack slater on any of his lists which well, he implies kills that he's yeah right so, like that's it's you know it's his time to go so but he's like but i don't do fiction you're from a fictional movie <laughs> like yeah. i don't yeah. i don't understand that but you know we we had already had roger rabbit and it's it's fun that you compared it because 
they moved heaven and earth to get deals to use all those other characters from all those other companies. And that's part of what makes Roger Rabbit so much fun is these little cameos from from Bugs and Woody Woodpecker. Well, Disney has a lot more leverage and money. Yeah, than yeah. Absolutely. I was going to say, absolutely. It, it, it's entirely possible that there was a draft of the script where what happens at the end is John McClane comes out of Die Hard and saves him. Right. Let me point to the fact that that, that the, the story by credit on this movie, even though, yes, Shane Black co-wrote the screenplay, story by Zach Penn, who has made a cottage industry out of his career of uh, of, of doing um, franchise crossing things with mm-hmm. Ready Player One and, uh, oh, God, what was the recent one? Uh, Free Guy. Uh, right. That was that was very you know look at the metaverse get it metaverse whoa yeah so so it may be that at one point the the intent was to have something more like that and and the original draft is supposedly up online and you can read it mm. and and yeah the golden ticket isn't in it there's a lot more meta stuff in in there it, a lot more crossovers I, I want to talk a little bit more about the in the in the movie universe just because it's it's fun there's a ridiculous sort of like gangster plot with Anthony Quinn. Uh, and Michael V. Gasso from, from Michael V. Gasso. Yeah, that's it, thank you. Uh, You're welcome. And uh, and that's that's good. We mentioned, of course, because it's F. Giving, F's Giving. It's F. Murray Abraham, and the kid immediately identifies him as F. Murray Abraham, even though he's playing a part as a cop. And he's like, "No, he's the bad guy. He killed Mozart," which is totally true in the yeah. plot. He is the bad guy, and that's ten-year-olds love that Amadeus. <laughs> Do we really think this kid saw Amadeus? I feel like he did. He's been given a, 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 an, an education in all kinds of movies. He's really a movie buff man. When when he re-enters the when he when he re-enters the kitchen and his mom is talking to Jack Slater, there's a Fellini's Roma poster on the wall. So I yeah I have a feeling to yeah. Erica's point that he has he has paid attention when his when his uh, creaky old mentor says, "Whoa, watch this old movie, kid, and then we'll show you one with explosions." Which is not Art Carney. That's Robert Prosky. Art Carney is the second cousin who dies, and he goes, "My second cousin," yeah. because yeah. you gotta have Art Carney is never not untied. <laughs> Right. We see him being tortured by Anthony Quinn, which is extremely satisfying to somebody who's watched the Star Wars Holiday Special lots of times. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Happy Life Day. It all comes back to Life Day. No, but that, that like again, that's another one of those great bits, which is there's always an obscure relative who's put at risk yeah. or dies, and that's the revenge that he's got to have and all of that. I like the moment where he goes back to his apartment and it's empty. Which is like such a weird, except for the closet that's full of guns or something, because it's such a weird thing of like, we're kind of not in the right part of the movie now. And so everything is sort of threadbare. It's very strange. And yeah, see, that's, that's interesting because it's that the only part that's like a look behind the curtain. And I wish there had been more of that. Yes. Um, I also wanted to mention one of my favorite things in this movie is that in the movie part, and the movie then comments on it, which makes makes it less... <laughs> I guess I I didn't need for them to to hang a lantern exactly on it. Going here. But every woman in the movie is basically wearing bondage gear in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. And then there's yeah. that moment where it's like, what's with the women here? And it's like, well, there are no unattractive. Well, no, it's just California. And it's like, no, no, there's literally no unattractive women. And and again, <laughs> they're all wearing very strange, very strange, revealing outfits. And I thought that was hilarious because again. Mm-hmm. Little comment on yeah. what what the yeah. movie logic is versus right. the real world logic. I thought it was great, and then they hung a lantern on it. But it, it did it did make me laugh because it keeps their they keep doing it. That throughout. goes back to what's so offensive about them sort of kiddieizing this movie is that they they do that frequently. They'll hang a lantern on something like, for instance, um, 
the scenes, the recurring bit where the police chief gets worked up over Jack's loose cannon ways and his mm-hmm. speech becomes totally unintelligible for a couple of minutes. Or they incoherent. do it incoherent, they do it right? Because he mentions like the diary of Anne Frank at one point. Like it's all yeah. these weird phrases all jammed together. Yeah. Right. So, that, I mean, they do it several times. And then at the very end, and it gets funnier every time until they hang a lampshade on it and they have him saying, Did you catch that? I think some of it's English, and then suddenly yeah. all of it is 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 vastly less we got, funny. We got your joke yep. movie. We already we yep. already got it. That feels yep. like a note, studio note, right? <laughs> Trying to sneak stuff in to make it more you know kid friendly or whatever it has has taken away from what could have been a much much better movie. I think. Yeah, and speaking of the uh, the women, like specifically in the video store, uh, that actually that reminded me of my other favorite thing about this movie, which is the soundtrack. Because oh, I yeah. like these were my mm-hmm. favorite bands at the time, mm-hmm. and one of the women in the video store, whom I still recognize to this day, I'm pleased to say, is uh, Bobby Brown Lane, who was the girl from the Cherry Pie video by sure. Warrant, who then nice. later married <laughs> Janie Lane from Warrant. Yep. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, so I was just like, oh look, they put her in the movie. That's cute. But I don't think Warrant even had a song on the uh, on the soundtrack. So it's just like. <laughs> The yeah, I would say note perfect in terms of of dropping in those uh, hair metal tracks that are mm-hmm. in uh, in these kinds of action movies. Uh, yeah, and it's not even all laugh. hair metal because there's 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 the, you got the grunge because you got your Alice in Chains. That's true. And yeah. you know, you know, actually, Alice in Chains is in there twice. It's, it's, it's just it's soundtrack and or... it's soundtracking the hell out of it is what it's it doing. Is. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I have bad news for MC Hammer. That uh, Slater 5 soundtrack is <laughs> probably not going to happen. That was maybe that my favorite cameo, right? I think he was yes. just Hammer by that just point. Just Hammer. That's true. No, no, no he's, he's credited as MC Hammer okay. in the credits, I think. Oh, is he? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I think wow. we were just before the Hammer uh, um, uh, event horizon. Mm. I think my favorite cameo, Jason, is when Chevy Chase and, and Damon Wayans wander by oh. just having a chat. And you might expect one or both of them to have something funny to say, but we're all about no. subverting no. expectations here. But, so. but, but both of them in the front, uh, all but covering up, Melvin Van Peebles. Oh, Melvin yeah. Van Peebles, who doesn't even get to say anything. I get the feeling that they basically did a red carpet premiere of Jack Slater 4 that they got people to come to and they shot around that and used it. And that that's what a lot of that stuff is, is is basically like, well, you don't have to you, you'll make a cameo, but it, it, you won't have to really do anything. You'll just be walking down the carpet or whatever. It, it has that feel of like not that not that they it's stolen shots, but it is sort of like, let's just stage this and yeah, get a show up. bunch of and, yeah, and get a bunch of footage with real world people because they're trying to blow people's minds that, you know, that the Schwarzenegger fictional movie has now come out into the real world, which there are some funny bits in there. The mm-hmm. extended celebrity cameos and appearances by Lisa Gibbons from Entertainment Tonight are not the good parts of that. No, no, no. I did like Maria Shriver being that's, like, that's the best don't part, mention the yes. restaurant. And then when he does... It's tacky. It's it's tacky. tacky. Planet Hollywood, we have it. She's like, get out of here, get out, let's go. Just, just stop. Just and stop. her line <laughs> after that is, you embarrassed me, you low forehead. It was humiliating. <laughs> which, you know, it's like, wow. I think they really play the real Arnold as a total buffoon. Yeah. Just take pot shots at him left and right, like the yeah. the Mercedes Rule scene where she says, "Oh, you're clearly far more intelligent than Schwarzenegger." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all that all that is good, but the the other the other cameos in there are not uh, not so great. I will no. I will give you my connection to this film, which I had not seen since it was made in 1993. I, I never saw it until 2021. 
um, that Times Square setup where they've got the big inflatable Jack Slater and they you have were the inflatable the wow. whole thing. I I in 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 February of 1993 I went to New York City for a thing involving my uh, graduate school and. I uh, had never been in New York City before, and I had to cross Times Square, and uh, I had to wait a little while because I had to cross Times Square with the inflatable Schwarzenegger and the whole thing of <laughs> Last Action Hero because they were wow. shooting that scene that wow. night when I was this... there. And when they show 1993 Times Square with its grungy kind of, uh, yep. Yep, I remember it well. Yep. Jason, Jason, this, you have the unique I'm experience of having. Here. I'm not you, really, but yeah. you've been you've been both in the movie and outside the movie. I in know, the real right? World, and now I'm right. doing a podcast wow. about it. I hope that somebody doesn't break out of this podcast and into the real world because that this would be... is the most amazing winning of all. Meta. Yeah, in, in the in the two different worlds, you had to wait for overly long Arnold Schwarzenegger goofiness to be over with already. Anyway, I crossed the street in Times Square and when they were shooting, that's it. That's, that's all I got. But I was there. Happy ending. And that's my last action hero story. Great job. I wanted to mention the uh, some other things that... Uh, look, okay, there's a funeral for a guy whose name is Fart, essentially, and they've stuffed yep. things in Fart's body. And it's like... Uh, eh. I liked it. I thought it was so. St- I was like, for, okay, you know, for gas. All right, it's, yeah, for gas. gas. There's gas at, fart, at Fart's funeral. Were that in the real world, I would be. I, I would. I would tend toward the. Come on, do we have to do fat jokes? Come on, can we please not? But it's in a movie, and that's very accurate to the way the movies do. That yeah, Fart of goes off in seven yeah. minutes. Uh, I I also like when he goes to his sad apartment that has nothing in it. He immediately shoots into the closet and is like, "How did you know there was a guy in there?" And he says, "There's always a guy There's in the closet." <laughs> I I go through more closet doors that way. Oh my god, that's a great gag. It's just, I mean, all that like when the movie is doing that stuff, that and cars exploding in midair. When when it commits to the bit, it is it's good. really quite good. Uh, and 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 again, having such a fondness for these movies and Erica. We talk about like the fandom issue and like, hey, wait a second, are they insulting me? I think yeah. with some remove and some appreciation of this, I, I I look at this movie and I say, this movie knows way too much about how these movies work <laughs> to feel oh, yeah. that it's above it. If I were yeah. still friends with all of those same guys from high school, I think I still am with some of them. I like, I'm I'm sure that were they to watch it now, they have, would have uh, would have come around a bit on that for sure. It's like because it's these shared sort of like we all know how ridiculous these movies are, and we love them, and this thing is going to show them. And because again, when the car explodes in the in midair, it is simultaneously, oh yeah, that's pretty funny. There's lots of explosions in the movies, and also awesome that car exploded yeah. in midair, yeah, right? It's both things. And, and speaking of committing to the bit, Charles Dance is fully in, oh. Oh, yeah. in this. He is amazing. Albeit, he's apparently cosplaying as Jeffrey Jones in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> even even when his lines don't completely make sense, like, if God were a villain, he'd be me. <laughs> you know, that doesn't what? really, what? it's yeah. not a huh? joke. It doesn't quite make sense. And yet it's he delivers it beautifully. At the point where his character is fully able to break the fourth wall and yeah. know that he is commenting to an audience, mm-hmm. yes. that is when the movie goes from, oh, this is okay, to... 
oh my god, this is genius. Because he's, he's too good for moment. the movie, right? Like literally, yeah. Charles Dance as Benedict in the movie is too good for the movie. He's rolling his <laughs> eyes at the bad dialogue said by the other characters, and they get at things wrong, and he has to correct them. And that's his character. But also, you just get the sense like he's too good for this movie, which is why he leaves <laughs> at one point. Yeah. It's quite. Yeah. And Charles Dance does an amazing job. I only really know Charles Dance from his later work. And so to see him here in his prime doing this is like so good. So, so good. And this was a huge change of pace for him at the time. You know, people are like, wait, he can be funny? Well, this is like oh. uh, this is like Alan Rickman walking out of Die Hard yes. into the real world, right? It's that kind of yeah. thing. It's like you've got this big uh, character who like actually seems bigger than the movie. And in this case, it's literally true. He just breaks out in order to go and figure out, you know, when he comes across to our world, he's just sort of like, he's got sort of like big plans. He, he's happy to be not saddled with the idiots that are in his movie. And now the sky's the limit, I guess. So you can get horror movie villains. And he's smart enough to figure it out and test it out. And, you know, he's not flummoxed by this at all. He's just like, oh, oh, the bad guys can do really mm. well here. That's it. And he's he's going to do it. I bet that with McTiernan in the mix and the writing team and so on, there's a version of this movie where they went, could we get Rickman? And then they got a very polite but very mm. curt no. And they went, well, let's see what other uh, evil Englishman we can get. Who's this Charles <laughs> Dance? Oh, my God. Never yeah, mind. We didn't need Rickman. We're good. I'd like to hear him say, what a savings at some point. <laughs> see if I can really... The part of the of the last part of the movie that I like and, and that, that was the best part of the end of the movie is that whole idea where he gets, so he gets the killer who killed uh, Jack Slater's son at, at the end of Jack Slater three um, to come the Ripper to come out of that movie in order to actually kill them. So we get the scene at the beginning of the movie that's like from that movie. And now we see that character out. Of course, he's played by Tom Noonan, who is also at the premiere as himself. So he's there twice. His character is there and the actor is there. Um, the Ripper kills poor Rick Dukeman, which just like shout out to Rick Dukeman uh, as the agent who is murdered by his <laughs> actor's character. <laughs> I like that. And then and then nice. uh, and nice then I touch. really enjoy that on the roof when they have this confrontation, it is the we get the thing that defeats uh Charles Dance is the uh fallacy of the talking killer. That he he stands there and explains his whole plan. At, well, that's on, not what kills him though. He 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 has his uh his his monologue moment and you expect that's going to be the right. downfall and then he ends, ends up having an empty chamber in his gun which causes them to think it's unloaded right and then he it was just an what empty chamber is, and he, he did it on purpose yeah yeah but i mean he thinks he thinks he can snap out of there with the ticket but the ticket you see has a mind of its own mm. so it decides not to let him out my point being that i i really love the fact that we get to that moment and even though charles dance's character is so smart he's still a movie character and has to give his monologue on the rooftop yes. it's like yeah. of course it, he does of course of course it's amazing and, and a little bit earlier they make reference to that where i mean they danny is saving the day at the hyatt the the very um the the Lux Hyatt Long Beach <laughs> classy eh <laughs> Wilson Phillips I think is performing on the roof oh really <laughs> Sp- spoken like a like a person who spent time at the Hyatt Long Beach 
the the Hyatt Long Beach, which by the way is nowhere near the La Brea tar pits. No, but that's okay. No. Those weren't the La Brea hey, tar movie logic. pits, Steve. Movie that was logic. just that was just a, a really polluted pond. Yes, but that was in fact uh, Long Beach because you did see the the Wyland mural on the water or mm. on the, the convention center behind it. But well, anyway, who, who cares about the fictional California geography of it all? It worked. It it worked. Um, yeah, no. What I was going to say is that uh, like Danny makes reference to that earlier because practice is. Uh, monologuing, and then he sneaks up on them, and then he makes a, the exact same mistake, and somebody sneaks up on him. So yeah, the, all those little references are great. I love, I love, um, you know, the bits that are that are on point where they have genuinely found something that's in every single uh, mm-hmm. action movie, and the, and they make a point of it. What is less successful, I think, is all of the repeated shots of Jack driving like in the wrong lane and just uh. being a horrible. Dr- Those are not things that happen in action movies. I mean, they're reckless drivers, but they're not bad drivers. Yeah. Only during action sequences are right. they like doing all of that stuff. So that, yeah, that didn't. Right. Really I like, I like that, um, that he plays chicken and in the real world and they just smash into each other. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's seemingly very slow speeds. You, well, you you dummy, that you can't do that. That's the that's it. But yes, I I think that, and it seems like we're all fairly in agreement here, which is that the 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 third portion of this movie or the second half, I guess, is um, it, there's too there's too much of that. It's too real, and it doesn't do. Right. And if you're going to spend that much time there, you need to do more. And instead, uh-huh. they're they're more yeah. like I think they got really enamored with the idea that they were going to go to the red carpet premiere of the Schwarzenegger movie and spend some time there. Yes. And and yeah. it's like death. Yeah. I mean, it's just there's it, too it much. It slows there. whatever momentum there is. There's there's a really enjoyable hundred minute movie inside the hundred and thirty minutes. Yeah, of that's this exactly movie. Yeah. yes, right. Well, and yes. also the the ending half is or the ending like thirty minutes or so is where they really lean into oh we've got this subplot we've made about uh, the kid you know and how he needs yes. a father figure and. It, and there's some confusing thing about uh, how like Jack needs to be in the movie, but the kid needs to be out there believing no. in him, mm. and, and that it's, doesn't it's, make sense. No, it doesn't yeah. make any sense, and it's it's treacly and it's awful, and it I think completely uh, disrupts any goodwill that would have been there from the, the parts that are good about you know the the premiere and all that stuff. Okay, cue the John Williams music cue. Oh, all right, God. here we go. And Jack. Slater's whole thing about like going back to his thing and he has that moment of like you killed my kid for drama and all that it's like no you're a fictional character I don't really care you just need to go back in your movie right like I just I don't none of that none of that matters to me at all so well they also didn't do enough with that I thought because there were there were little hints of other things they could do like for example like you said Jason going back to his empty apartment I was like oh wow this is interesting this is the side of the the action character that you don't get to see uh, you know along with the funny joke about you know like he he has uh, you know all the boots and pants and and jackets and everything that are exactly the same (laughs) match but it's like but yeah there's literally nothing else in this guy's life and then you have the line about you killed my kid for drama and it just ended right there. Like yeah, that was bud. it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, you either either do something with that or just leave it out. And the thing about that scene where we're sort of seeing, you know, his apartment, which you would never actually see in the movie, is you get the impression there this is not right. This is not this is not in the in the movie logic. Maybe Danny's presence here is screwing things up somehow that's and right. maybe they're gonna do something interesting with that. They never do. No. It's just this sort of piece that's out of out of 
you know, and it, that could have been interesting. It could have been interesting if they'd showed up in the real world and then Danny and Nick and the characters in the real world suddenly realized they were in a movie. <laughs> but then maybe that would have been a little too many. <laughs> could have been one, one layer too many. <laughs> but instead, they kind of chose to bolt on these pieces that they thought would be attractive. To I am leaving kids. this movie. Are you going back to your movie? No, I am leaving Last Action Hero and entering the <laughs> real world. Goodbye. <laughs> So the thing about the end that I think maybe they could have thought through a little better is um, they return Jack Slater to his movie um, where, you know, he's going to be fine, except that he immediately goes in and he tells the lieutenant that he no longer wants to shoot people and blow up buildings, Uh which means that the grosses are going to go down, which means that he's going to die anyway. He's effectively decided to commit suicide. (gasps) Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that. He's decided to end his life. And then he turns and winks at Danny. <laughs> so. so what What I wanted from the end, because I was thinking about this all the way through, is I wanted the last thing in the movie to be the review of the movie that said how clever it was that they introduced the kid. <laughs> and, and Danny is like, oh, but I'm in, I was in the movie all along, right? Like that, that also doesn't happen. Mm. It's like, no. Yeah. Okay. Th- then you Whatever. would have had the, the cliffhanger for the sequel that was never going to happen, like the cliffhanger in Super Mario Brothers. Oh, yeah. Like, because he's, he's messed up the movie by being in it. So now what? And it's like, well, what if that is the movie now? They yeah. saw it before it was released and, and they messed up the movie. I don't know. They could have done a lot with that. And that would have been, yes. that would have been much more, I mean, you know, the, the thing that's so great about movies like Back to the Future is the way that they've sort of, integrated every single thing that happens into like a, a, a cohesive whole, you know? Yeah. And here it just seems like, okay, well, we have this idea for this movie and this idea for this movie and this idea for this movie. Okay, let's strap them together. Mm-hmm. And we don't really feel like they, they didn't apparently feel like they needed to actually make them sort of work together. And they don't. Well, it's because it had, it had so many different writers and so yeah. many different script doctors in on it too. I mean, even Carrie Fisher. It feels definitely like a a produced, very meddled with movie piece of work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is too bad. There was quite the committee behind this. (laughs) Some big action blockbusters are overly meddled with. So I mean, we can kind of meta say, yeah, sure, that works, even though it doesn't. But sure. I think what what really stuck with me after watching it is that I think there's a good movie in here. We've said it would be a shorter movie. I think, I think it needed a little more focus and that it got meddled with. I I can't tell whether it got meddled with to get it to be better or worse or what happened. I don't know that part of it, but like there is a, there is a good movie in here. And I actually, I think it's a good movie. I just think that it's kind of broken in a bunch of places, but that a lot of it is actually uh, quite amazing and delightful um i did mention we were praising charles dance uh and the the reference at the beginning when i i introduced everybody is the first thing charles dance does as a villain from an action movie uh, when he comes to our world is he shoots a guy and nobody cares (laughs) and he's waiting for the sirens someone was robbed and the police didn't come hold on just uh, hold on a minute and he shouts. He's like, I've killed, I've shot a man. And no, like, keep I it down, it on down there. Quiet down there. <laughs> and he discovers that real 1993 New York is a lawless hellhole and yeah. he is awash in the possibilities. <laughs> yeah. Imagine not having a super uh, action star coming to get me when I kill a guy. This is great. Yeah. He's, he's make- Jack Skellington in Christmas Town, but it's 1993 New York. Yeah. <laughs> it's also social commentary, man. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. There are so many things like this 
in the movie that are just so sharp. And yeah, that's I why know. I wanted it to be so much better. Because and it is inconsistent. But th- those moments where it does yeah. that, you're like, wow, okay. Yeah. And again, it's not just when the car explodes in midair, but I'm telling right. you, <laughs> but that's, that's one of those moments. Cool. I do think it's funny when they're out looking for Charles Dance and Danny keeps telling Jack, you know, you're not going to find him. That's not, not how things work here. You're not going to just spot him walking down the street. And then they spot him walking down the street. <laughs> except, except I was okay with that because it took them five hours and they were actually, they had an actual plan. Yeah. They were like, he's yeah. probably going to go to movie theaters. So we are going to check all the movie theaters. So after five hours of hard gumshoe work, right. they find him in the kind of place they expect to find him. But it's him. still yeah, ultimately exactly. dumb luck. And that would have been a perfect moment for them to go, oh my God, we're still in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Touche, touche. And, and I mean, of all, oh, of well. all the cameos in this, one of my favorite things because it is so because I love I love an obscure reference. Early on, when you he goes to know. school, I know, right? When he goes to school, his teacher is Joan Plowright, mm-hmm. who <laughs> was also married to Lawrence Olivier, and right. she's showing them Lawrence Olivier's mm-hmm. Hamlet. And I just <laughs> I just first love action the hero. line where she goes, <laughs> "You might know him from his Polaroid commercials," <laughs> which is true. He did Polaroid commercials. But yeah, oh, she must have had a ball doing that. Yeah, the cast they managed to round up for this. I mean, it's it's hard to say it's star-studded because most of these actors are past their prime. But I mean, just to, to pull in, to randomly pull in Anthony Quinn and and uh, Art Carney and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, there's so many elements of this that are just super fun. Having set up, you know, he killed Mozart and... There's no copyright on Salieri. Wouldn't it have been fun to have Salieri come in just for a minute to be like, see, see, movie? You're in a movie? Mm. Well, he looks like Jack. Or he looks, no, what? John. He looks like John. John Practice. John Fake Pratt. name of of friend character who turns out to be a bad he was, guy. He was killed yeah. by Practice, get it? Mm. <laughs> waka, waka, waka. Yeah. How do you get to Carnegie mm. Hall? I went into this not having any expectation, and I, in the end, I was delighted. It's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but there are so many great moments in it. And and I, what I really like, as I mentioned earlier, is its love of the genre while poking fun at it. And you know what? It's a lot easier to say, ha ha. I remember that in those 80s and 90s action movies than it probably was in 1993 when they were still being made to be like, ha ha. Now, cause I get, now I have the nostalgia level on top of it. But like, cause to me this, I look at this movie and I'm like, yes, it's Die Hard and it's and Terminator and, it, and, and, and a dozen or five dozen other movies like that from this period. And, and so the, the nostalgia on top of it, like having it, having it have this loving, I am I am simultaneously a, a an action movie and a joke about action movies. I don't know. All that stuff really worked for me. In Flophouse terms, I would say it's a good bad movie that I kind of like. It's liked. a movie I kind of liked. I got to say it. I wouldn't even say good bad. It's fine. This is not a bad movie. Could it use a little bit of work? Sure, but I, yeah. I would never classify this as a bad movie. I think Same. it could have been a great movie. That's the only thing that I yes. think is bad yeah. about it. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, a, a there, there's great. a legitimately great movie 
in here in somewhere. Concept. So what you're saying is this could be remade. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we say that a lot. That there's a, there's a good movie that's that's wanting to get out of this movie. Some of the good got out of this movie. Yeah, I mean, for that's, sure. Yes. This is far better than movies that we normally say. That it about. would be a much better movie <laughs> cut down by half an hour. But if you could take it and amp up some of that stuff at the end. Less time on the red carpet with Lisa Gibbons, more characters coming off the screen like death. You could have had a totally wild ending. And and that's when I when I said yes to could you remake this now or do something like this? I think you could, oh, but totally. you would need it to be that maxed out yeah. just we we got all Committing the characters. The yeah. All the characters are coming off the screen to save the day at the end. Yeah, for sure. When when Disney ends up buying Warner Brothers from Discovery, uh, then they'll own all of the stuff they could possibly need to make something oh. like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's definitely going to happen because this is such a cult classic. A cult classic. <laughs> yeah. I, um, and yeah, at the it's... end, I think I think you need Jack Slater to stay in the real world and end up as Arnold Schwarzenegger's actual like stunt double. Uh, like, I feel like that's something the only because like I was as you guys were talking about the end and what you were expecting and what you and I realized I didn't really know what to expect. And nothing like it didn't work for me the way that it did. Obviously, <laughs> Jack Slater committing suicide by not <laughs> blowing things up anymore. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty sad. But even if he would have gone on with his career, like no- nothing would have worked for me. The movie has been tainted by that kid being in it. Like there's there's no saving it. So I feel like I, I would have appreciated a completely different ending with uh, with him just not even going back into the movie. Well, the good news is movie death is out still roaming the countryside in the real world. So that's right. oh, that's true. <laughs> Here's my pitch. It's Charles Dance and Arnold Schwarzenegger walking away through a, a off of a foggy airfield because they've gone into Casablanca at the end. And they're gonna, <laughs> yeah. It's the beginning of a beautiful friendship in a different movie. Um, that's my pitch for that. So again, sure. you just get the rights then- to more like because Bogart, you know, anim- animated CGI Bogart has been assigned yeah, a partner and in, in the well, movie. If you have if you have animated CGI Bogart looking at them going. Wait a second. I think that this is a, it was a great selection for uh, F's giving, although F. Murray Abraham isn't in it a lot, yet he's billed second because that's what an Oscar gets you, people. I was really surprised because I haven't seen this in years. I'd seen it a few times, but not for a long time. And I remembered him as being in so much more of it than he actually is. He gets killed off so early. And I was like, whoa, this yeah. is not what. I-. And I think it's because the parts of things that I tend to remember are the parts that I like the best, which was the in the movie at the right. part at the beginning. Yeah. And I feel like my my memory sort of shrank down the end part, which, as we have discussed, is is not as great. So. So, yeah, I still I still think of this as an F. Marie Abraham movie, even though he's only in a bit of it. He killed Mozart. <laughs> that's that's the only thing I knew about Amadeus until I recently watched it when you guys covered it. Right. Uh, when you guys were talking about that movie, I was like, oh, I should watch that movie finally after all these years. And I know of it because of Last Action Hero. I actually mentioned that <laughs> yeah. before I watched it. <laughs> I got to say, I was honestly surprised that we're celebrating F's giving. I was expecting Schwartz giving and uh, mm, well, I, I have no F's to give. So <laughs> I know but that, that's OK. Last Action Hero has all of them to give. Oh. And they give them. <laughs> For such a smart villain, Charles Dance's plan is dumb. I just got to say that. <laughs> yeah. Because Schwarzenegger's yeah. already made three Jack Slater movies. You can kill him now. They're still going to be out there, dude. Four mm-hmm. Jack Slater movies. They're premiering the fourth. You have a golden ticket, not a time machine, dude. His plan should be to, to get the, the, the murderer from Jack Slater 3 and sick him on, on Jack Slater like he does. And then escape before anybody can catch him into some other movie. 
but sure that doesn't happen i mean what if what if he successfully dispatches schwarzenegger and jack shows up and goes i'm still here yeah oh, i'm right? back and and how about that for for a big twist for your meta movie kill off your actor mm. in the movie Sure. Studio probably wouldn't have let them do that. Ben Jack Slater wouldn't spend fun. all day plugging the uh, memorabilia at Planet Hollywood or the gyms. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Ah, uh, well, you know, we had some cranberry sauce. Hmm. <laughs> we had some turkey. Some F's berry sauce. We had some, and yes. F ducking. We had a big slice of ham because it's oh, yeah. F's giving. It's F's giving. And now we're going to go watch Name of the Rose. <laughs> Other nominations were made for F's giving. I chose Last Action Hero. And yes, the origin of this is that after Kilmus, we're like, well, what else will happen if we run out of Val Kilmer movies, which we haven't yet, but we're about to run out. Uh, is And I, I we, we saw Amadeus and we're like, oh, F. Murray Abraham, he's been in a lot of stuff since he won that Oscar and decided to do the old cash grab. Uh, and this is what I picked. And you know what? It's it's not it's not bad. It's it, it was fun. It's legitimately fun. And if you never saw it because you heard bad things and thought it was a stink bomb, you should see it. And if you remember it not as fondly, uh, maybe go back and watch it again. Perhaps with modern eyes, you will appreciate it more. Yeah, I watched it with uh, my spouse, Stephen, who had never seen it before and really didn't know very much about it, except Arnold Schwarzenegger was in it. And uh, and yeah, he basically belly laughed at all of the things that you have yeah. mentioned, Jason. Oh, like, man. you know, the, the car exploding in the air <laughs> oh. and the, the breaking of the fourth wall. And like all of those moments were, were the bits that he liked the best. And there was, yeah, significantly less out loud laughter toward the end. But, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, worth it. <laughs> For that exploding car. Wow. There's almost no reason for Charles Dance's character to have the glass eye, except when he has the one that's red, and and Arnold literally has the best action line, I've got to catch the red eye. Sure. <laughs> that's solid. That is a solid 80s movie game. Where precisely was that Austrian accent supposed to be from? Because it sounded like like somewhere between between Poland and, <laughs> of an and, Italian. and Australia was... or something. <laughs> I, I wasn't. Right. I wasn't doing it uh, properly. It is a misunderstanding. I am actually from Australia. <laughs> well, and also you can have the scene at the end where he kills him by shooting the exploding eye and blowing oh. him up, which is it's true. Which is solid. And they have that same explosion that you get in the fake world, which is the yeah. superimposed, awful looking explosion. That aspect of Charles Dance's character with the eye. That that's almost like James Bond level, right? Where Absolutely. it's like we've got to have a super weird villain mm-hmm. who has a very strange physical thing about them that's part of their trademark. It's I fun. think it's on the same level as, you know, the the fart guy. <laughs> Please. His full name is Leo the Fart. In a real movie, I don't appreciate like the treatment of, of fat people that way. But also it's it's, you know, disability. Disability in movies, especially action movies, not treated very well. So I think it was I think it was along those same lines. Now now I will say there there are a couple moments in, in this where it's clear that they were running out of budget. Um and some of it, like some of it, is just yes. You have the superimposed explosions, but like the little reference to ET, where where oh. uh, the kid is on the bike, <laughs> yeah. and it's just sort of excruciating watching that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I appreciated oh. that they were when he gets on the bike. I'm like, oh boy, they're gonna do this. And then when I saw it, I'm like, wow, that was poorly executed. It's I get yeah. the I get. I'm glad that they made the ET joke. Don't get me wrong. Take that movie made 
11 years before uh but wow. but the uh the the execution and Todd Vaziri our friend uh pointed out th- that as part of the car chase there's a scene where um, there's like a handheld camera behind the car as the car's going down the street and Schwarzenegger turns around to fire at the car and it's a, a stunt double and the camera move is uh it, it's super shaky it's out of focus because yeah. there's a stunt man there it, it is and and Todd posted this on Twitter and said this was in a major motion picture <laughs> this <laughs> shot was in a major motion picture and, and I, I backed it up when we got there and I'm like yeah, I mean it. It passes quickly, but it's one of those moments where mm-hmm. they're like, "Yeah, we got to use." It this wouldn't shot. have stood out to me if I hadn't seen Todd's tweet already, <laughs> right? But I had, and I just like I didn't actually <laughs> physically point at the screen, but yeah. I totally giggled. Yep, <laughs> yep. And then there's the scene also where um, where Charles Dance discovers that the ticket is magical, and he's like reaching to the wall, and his hand is disappearing into it, and it it looks real bad. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It almost looks yeah, like somebody like that. painted him onto the cell. It's so it's so yeah. off. Yeah. I, I I have a feeling that watching this on VHS in standard definition did the movie more favors than rewatching it in 4K. Moises, uh, that, no that's how it established itself as a cult classic, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> is with its VHS release. So you really uh, needed to see it. Probably pan and scan, four by three, in standard def on a VHS tape. No, I, I, I very vividly remember this was the first widescreen letterboxed VHS that I had. Ooh, no. um, oh, fair enough, but I think that maybe the, the, the popular version was probably the full frame version. I've never properly appreciated this film. That's the Not problem. the cinephile <laughs> version where there's the letterbox bars. Ideally, you would have gone to promotional partner Blockbuster Video to rent it. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's the scene where he walks into Acme Video, and then they turn around, and there's clearly a Blockbuster uh, Video logo on the wall painted yes. there with the words Blockbuster Video in the middle of it. So, yeah, there's a few uh, there's a few seams here. Yeah. There, there are a lot of nice Acme things hidden yes. throughout. Sure. Well, they're referencing the, the, for some reason, they're referencing the Coyote c- mm-hmm. cartoons. But, yeah, yeah I, I will say that the, I think the awfulness of the moment where he flies past the moon and the E.T. reference actually <laughs> makes it more, more amusing. <laughs> because it's like, okay, we know this is dumb. We're just not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. I'm like, good. They I'm set up the whole moment and he's in front of the moon and then he just comes down and they're like, yeah, that's over. Uh, like, we're done. We can't, we can't afford anymore. That's it. We're done. It's so horribly animated, too. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it the is, thing. It is. It's, it's, like, so bad. it's like a guy holding a stick thing of it yeah. and just moving. But it's like, it's... I would have been mad at them if they'd spent a lot of time on that. So I was like, good, you made <laughs> yeah. a good choice there. You made some puppet. bad choices in this film. This one was you know, a good choice. Not always a fan of cutting corners, but when you do it in the right place. <laughs> I, I would have. Would I have taken a John Williams-esque swell of music there while the kid flies over the street and, and Jack oh, sure. looks up at him and goes, what are you doing? And he says, I'm flying. I, I would have been like, okay, that's pretty cool. But they, they that didn't. would have nailed They it. didn't do that because they can't afford a flying bike that's not on the last action hero budget all right well um happy <sighs> f's giving to all who celebrate and go watch last action hero i enjoyed watching it and i'm glad that this holiday exists uh he's the guy who killed mozart let me thank my panelists for being here and talking about this uh this film david j lore thank you i just want to know why there's no the why is it just anyway didn't have time for it hamlet yeah. was the first action hero and <laughs> <laughs> and this is the last action hero, Steve Lutz. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Uh, to quote Lieutenant Decker, now I got the Chamber of Commerce doing cartwheels in my cocoa factory. 
<laughs> Moises Chuyan, thank you. Well, Jason, you've got to take some solace in the fact that you can't die until the grosses go down. <laughs> and Erica Ensign, thank you. I think I'm going to go have some brown sugar. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this very special F's-giving episode of The Incomparable. We're in the holiday season now. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, We will see you next time.